Good morning. Welcome to the Tools Workshop. My name is Marty, and I am a compulsive overeater. And your moderator for this meeting. Good morning. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now, please. We remind you that this session is being taped and all speakers must sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. The topic for this session is the tools, pick pans and pails of recovery. The following is a reading from the Tools of Recovery pamphlet, page one. Uh, read next page. In, a, in Working Overeaters Anonymous 12 Steps Program of Recovery from Compulsive Overeating, we have found that a number of tools are available to assist us. We use these tools a plan of eating, sponsorship, meetings, the telephone, writing, literature, action plan, anonymity, and service on a regular basis to help us achieve and maintain abstinence and recover from our disease. Our first speaker is Eileen from Piedmont. Thank you, Marty. Good morning, everyone. Um, It's tough to be the first speaker, especially... (laughs) Did anyone stay up to watch part of the Olympic ceremonies opening? Yeah? Well, then you're sleep-deprived like I am. Um, Okay, I am speaking on a plan of eating and sponsorship and the action plan. And first I'll qualify and tell you a bit about my story. Um... I'm the second of eight children. Um, I grew up uh, in a happy home. Um, All of my family except my father is still living, and we see each other quite often. Um, I was of normal weight until um, after I had my first child at age 29. And uh, although I eventually got back to my pre-pregnancy weight, I found that with my son's colic, I was often up all night long with him, And to calm myself down, I would start eating cereal, a meal, uh, to calm myself down. And also, I'd be up so many hours that I needed some calories. So that started a bad habit that continued after our second son was born. And by the time I was 35, pardon me, I was regularly eating an afternoon semi-snack meal and another meal before bedtime. And gradually my weight went from what was normal to me was around 125 at five foot six. 
Uh, by the time I was 36, my weight uh, was in the 140s. Um, and about that time, I also came down with a, um, um, a gynecological illness. I had ovarian cysts. And it was serious enough that eventually I had to have everything removed, tubes, ovaries, um, and um, uterus. Um, and that right away put me in surgical menopause. Um, and my weight shot up even more. There was a direct correlation with that. Not only did my weight shoot up, but my because I became surgical, I became a menopausal woman at 35, at, with all of the hot flashes and problems that go along with that. And even though I was started on hormone therapy, <clears throat> I I felt older. I looked older. I was weighing more, and I started to have the problems of a 50-year-old woman 15 years too soon. Um, I sought a lot of different methods to lose weight because that became my um, reason for getting up in the morning. I didn't want to stop my bad eating habits, but I was always seeking out the commercial uh, diet programs that are too numerous to mention here, but you've all heard of them. And I also sought out all kinds of books, lectures, um, anything I could, any help, any hints that I could to lose weight, I sought it. Um, and it wasn't until 10 years ago, I gave up, and as a last resort, I found OA. I found it because of an ad in a, dear, uh, a, a letter in a Dear Abby column that I had read years ago, and I tried it, and I was amazed at the amount of recovery. I was amazed at how the people looked when I walked in the room. I was at, Truly, I was astonished. One woman came in with her bike. She rode her bike to all the meetings. <clears throat> I thought I was in the wrong room, but I wasn't, and so I... I did the proverbial, they had what I wanted, and I was willing to do anything to, to, to get where they were, to get to have what they have. Because just like the, the, the cute name of this conference, it's really not so cute. It's true. More precious than gold. Oprah Winfrey can't buy it. If you remember, Christina Onassis couldn't buy it. Women all throughout history, you cannot buy abstinence. You cannot buy your goal weight. And you can't, also, you can't be educated. I've met a lot of people with PhDs who are morbidly obese and never figured it out. I've met people who have barely a high school education in OA who, who are abstinent 20-plus years. So it's not a matter of how smart you are. It's a matter of doing whatever it takes in this program to get the job done and stay at your goal weight once you reach it. And you will reach it if you practice this program. <laughs> So a plan of eating, I'll just summarize by my weight eventually shot up to 185. It is now, it fluctuates between 134 and 140, somewhere around there. Um, it does fluctuate. I have periods where it does, and I think that's perfectly normal, and my sponsor isn't worried about it. A plan of eating, if you're in OA, you'll find that we have two plans. Um, the first plan is no plan. First plan is the plan that you decide that you want for yourself. When OA was started 50 years ago, eventually they did draw up a plan, and it was printed out on a piece of paper, long legal size, called the gray sheet. And it was called the gray sheet because somebody got a deal at the printer that day. They wanted to get rid of gray paper, and so it was printed on a gray sheet. And that's why they call it that. And it is still floating around. You might find one someday. You'll also find lots of copies of it. 
But the gray sheet was a prescription for a specific food plan. It was sort of based on the diabetics diet where you have columns and lists of food choices, the proteins, the vegetables, the fats, the fruits, the carbs. And that was prescribed way and measure. Eventually, I, I apologize, I don't know what year this was, but somewhere in the 70s or early 80s, the OA World Service Organization realized that that was creating some problems for people, uh, asking them to, to stick to a rigid food plan. And so World Service, in an infinite wisdom, uh, the delegates voted to abolish the food plan. And to this day, OA does not recommend or endorse any food plan. So you decide what it is. How do you decide that? You decide that by seeing your doctor, um, seeing a nutritionist, um, seeing someone that you have respect for that you think knows more than you do, and set your goal weight. And after you set your goal weight, and I think it's important to do your BMI, your body mass index, not, don't just get a number or a range number. Calculate what your ideal body mass index number is to go along with that goal weight. And then you know you're probably in a safe territory. I'm speaking to you as a lifelong nurse, but this is not, I'm not speaking to you officially as a nurse. I'm speaking to you as someone who believes this to be the best way. Um, so get yourself a doctor's prescribed food plan or a dietitian nutritionist food plan and stick to it. Whatever you do, stick to it. It's not permissible to say, well, let's see, I was on that plan last week, that didn't work, so I'm gonna change to this plan this week. Stick to a plan and evaluate it after a period of time has passed. If you're losing weight and you feel like you're getting, making progress toward your goals, stay on it. If you find not, then try something else. Um, the number two kind of food plan first again is no plan, is the HOW plan, HOW plan of eating. And HOW is an acronym for honesty, open-mindedness, and wellness. And about 5 to 10% of the people in OA belong to HOW. HOW is um, just like, say, 100-pounders or young people's meeting. HOW is a specialty group within OA, and they prescribe, they subscribe to this food plan. We have, and I am a HOW person, I was in regular OA for four years and had somewhat success with abstinence and then didn't, wasn't successful, found out about how, and decided that the people in how were, were, had what I wanted. I realized that I needed a structured program where I, I weighed and measured and I had much more close supervision with a sponsor, and I do that to this day. But that program... Um, that program works for me. Again, you find what works for you. <clears throat> I'm going to give you some brief tips on how to stick to your food plan and get to that goal weight. You must never forget about your working toward your goal weight. Um, write out your food plan daily and call it into your sponsor. I have been at maintenance level for a few years now, and I still do. Uh, almost daily, I'm not perfect, almost daily uh, food plan to my sponsor. Weigh and measure all foods. Be very strict with yourself. Level it off. Don't give yourself, oh, just, I'll just, no, you can't do that. Be very strict, weigh and measure accurately, and only eat that. No more and no less. <clears throat> Excuse me, plan ahead. 
You must have food in the house. And if you're away from the house, you must take your food with you. If you know that you can't find the type of food that you need to eat for your meal away from home, I, I pack my lunch often, or I pack a dinner if I'm going to be away for dinner. Um, plan ahead other meals away from home when you can't eat your own food. If a friend has invited you to a party or luncheon, ask that friend what she or he is serving. And if that's something that you can't eat, ask if you can bring your own food. Usually they will, they will, if they're a friend, they will let you do that. And don't feel, 10 minutes left, don't feel too uncomfortable about eating your own food. Um, sponsorship. Um, in this program, a sponsor is someone who helps you with physical, emotional, and spiritual growth in this program. Um, if you're a prospective sponsor, you're a prospective sponsee, first of all, in this program. You start out as someone looking for a sponsor. That makes you the word sponsee. What should you do to get a sponsor? What's the best way to get somebody who really works for you? Well, you want to observe. Take the time. Don't just grab somebody the first few meetings you're there. Take the time to watch people. Look at what they have. Are they talking the message that you agree with and that seems to be what you want? So shop a little bit before you sign up for sure. Um, is that person, that sponsor, at goal weight or are they working toward goal weight? Have they done the steps? Do they do service? Um, although I'm not advocating that a, a person with, say, only 30 days of of abstinence and completed the first steps is not qualified to be a sponsor because they are. But in, I'm talking about an ideal sponsor, an ideal sponsor that you can keep for all the way you go through the program. Get someone that you really admire. Um, if you're someone who is looking to be a sponsor, and, and ultimately you all should in this program be a sponsor, you need to pass on the message. What should you think about in being a sponsor? You want it to be someone who's going to set a good example. You want to interview that person very carefully. Don't just take on someone. I've unfortunately not, I've learned from experience. I've spent a lot of time with people who eventually just didn't care that much. And so many, so many hours were wasted. So I do like to just find the level of their commitment first. Um, encourage them to keep going. Encourage them to keep the steps. You're not just sponsoring their food and getting them to stay on the food plan. You want to help them work the steps, use the tools, get somewhere. We all should be improving every day. There isn't anybody who can't improve and get better every day. Um, Last is an action plan. Um, an action plan was passed by World Service um, in, in 2011. Uh, I just finished my third World Service conference, and uh, it's an exciting place to be. Um, when this plan was passed in 2011, it, it, some people thought it was kind of a miracle because it had been in the making for many, many years. It was a very controversial issue. So many people were actively against it, and why were they against it? Because originally, the people who proposed it wanted to call it exercise plan. 
because most people, if you have a pulse, you've probably heard that exercise is a good idea. <laughs> at, least, at least move every day. And as a young new delegate at World Service, I said, well, why don't they just call it an exercise plan? I don't get it. And I was told, because there are people in this program who have an addiction to exercise, and some of them have exercised themselves to death. Um, I found that something I could certainly understand that, but actually those people are in a very tiny minority, and I felt that there's more food that more people that die from lack of exercise in, this, in, in um, fighting their obesity problem. So action plan is what they called it. An action plan, if you've been around in the past year, you know that it, it is your plan of action for staying on the program, planning your meal for the day, your three meals for the day. Um, I firmly believe that it's a plan of exercise. And um, I have had... A, a, a problem with severe migraine for many years. And I found that the best thing for me to do is to keep moving. And I'll tell you what I did about that. One moment. <laughs> what, why did I, what did I do to incorporate action plan, because I believe that's what this really should be, is an exercise plan. That's my opinion. I started a race. I started a race called Miles for Migraine. I was having so much trouble with my migraines that I was no longer employable. To this day, I cannot hold an employed job. And I realized that going to the doctor frequently for checkups because of my migraine, I had to get out. I, I was on the couch for a long time. I was a couch potato. I realized that I still had to get off that couch, get into my car, get out of the car, walk down the sidewalk through the garage, walk all the way up elevator, get to the doctor's office. I had to walk. And I realized if I'm in this much pain and I still have to walk to get the doctor, heck, I, I think I could start walking around my neighborhood. And I started to walk. And I walked a little more. And now I can walk, I can walk usually up to about an hour and a half. Um, but I started because I realized, uh, I found out because I'm such a bad case, I've uh, had excellent care, but I realized that now the only thing that's going to help me as a chronic migraine patient is, is research. And I found out that there's very few research dollars devoted to migraine research. And now I've, I've, I've been a founding member of a group. We go to Capitol Hill once a year to advocate for migraine research. One minute. What? Um, they, they encouraged me to spread the word to the public, get this word out that we need migraine research dollars. So I started a race for migraine, not only to help myself and others exercise, but to raise money for migraine research. And that is, that is my talk on the three tools. And I wish you all the best and have a wonderful conference.
Thank you, Eileen. Our second speaker is Anna from Roseville. Good morning, family. Great to be here. I'm very honored to be able to speak. And I have hearing aids, so I know that problem about not being able to hear. So hopefully I talk loud enough. Um, I'm here to speak on anonymity, meetings, and service. And um, to qualify, I've lost over 200 pounds. I've been um, in the program I've been in here since 1997. It's probably when I came to my first meeting. And, um, but I didn't like it and I didn't like you and (laughs) it's just like, so I didn't really stick around very long. And then in 2001, I got pretty serious and, um, came back and stayed for a couple years, lost 140 pounds. And then, um, I relapsed for a year and a half. And then since then it's been like eight years I have. And I still struggle with the food, you know. It still causes me problems, but I work the tools. I do my best, and, um, you know, I had a lot to deal with. I had a lot of molest issues, and I talk about that because I want people to know that you can get to the other side. You don't have to stay in the pain, and part of it's the 12 steps. Part of it is sharing it. Um, Sometimes you need outside help, and it's okay to get outside help. And anyway, so I'm just going to jump in here. These weren't my choice. I was first asked to speak on what Eileen, and thank you so much. Great share. I I loved your share. Um, But then they said, oh, okay, we'd like you to do this. And because today I'm willing to do what I need to do, I will do it. So anonymity, and I'm actually, okay, well, I'm going to start on meetings because it's first in the little pamphlet here. So I'm just going to kind of read what it says, and then I'm going to expand on it and my feelings about it. Meetings are gatherings of two or more compulsive overeaters who come together to share their personal experience and the strength and hope that OA has given them. You know, I had no hope before I came into these rooms, none at all. I, um, I prayed when I was like a little girl. God, help me change, you know? And either let me die or help me change. And so when I was 43, I found these rooms. And, and my counselor at the time said, See, God answered your prayer. I said, Well, he took his time. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it's great. I did, you know, I found a way to change. That's what this is. We don't have to keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. We can change. And this, these rooms and these 12 steps allow us to do that. Um, so you come in here with your personal experience, and it, it helps us know that we're not, we're not terminally unique. You know, I had a sponsor. He said, you know, I did things. You know, I said, we've all done things we're ashamed of. And that's, what's, that's why it's important to share them so that, that I can tell you, oh, I did that too, you know. And I have things I would not share with anybody. Uh, I've shared with three people. And if I had a sponsor who shared they did it, then I would share it. But otherwise, you know, there's a need to know that, you know, there's some things I'm just not going to share with the world. And that, that's to protect myself too. I haven't hurt anybody or anything. But uh, the one I hurt was Anna. I hurt Anna really bad. I um, I did. 
So there are many types of meetings, but this is the important thing. But fellowship with the compulsive over with other compulsive overeaters is the basis of them all. You know, this is such a disease of isolation, and I love meetings. I mean, you guys are my family of choice. It's just like I have a birth family and I have an adopted family, but you guys are my family of choice. You are, when I come to you, you listen to me. My family doesn't listen to me. I, I spent some time with my birth family the other night, and not one of them asked me how I was. <laughs> you know, they did not ask. And it was just kind of, and, and trying to get information out of them was just pulling. But you guys care. You care what I think. Here, you're listening to me, you know. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> um, meetings give us an opportunity to identify our common problem, confirm our common solution through the 12 steps. And, you know, we all it's all the same solution. It's working the steps. It's doing all these tools of recovery. And in the meetings... We get to hear what other people do. They take uh, other actions. Sometimes I hear something, you know, like like one thing I started doing for me was, you know, sometimes I'm at home and I'm just like brain dead and I, I don't know the next thing to do. So I started a little piece of paper and I started writing things down I want to accomplish. And, you know, and it's things like that that I share in the meeting and maybe somebody has a problem and that's where... We, we get other ideas of how to work our programs is from hearing people share. Um, let's see. We share the gifts we receive. And that is so much fun. You know, it is so much fun to share the gifts because there is so much pain in this program. When we had the opening, so I was sitting next to somebody, the opening ceremonies, and she was just weeping. And, you know, it's okay here. We... Because that's what we do, and we never have to feel ashamed of it. Because this is painful. This food, thinking about food all the time. Just you know, I had this non-OA person ask me. I had gone to dinner at his wife's, and he had asked me, "Well, I don't really understand this, you know." And so she had cooked dinner, and I said, "Well, did you think about this dinner all day?" And he said, "No." And I said, "Well, I did." <laughs> I said that's the difference between us <laughs> but you know it's not just about sharing the gifts it's about sharing the pain it's about being able to come to a meeting and share where we are and share the solution of how we're going to get out of it or maybe get ideas from other people after the meeting on who's been there and done that and can help you get through it um, and I believe sharing the pain helps dissipate it because you're no longer alone with it. And I believe, like, when you take on a little bit of my pain, you know, I don't have to hurt so much. Okay, let's see. But I do I do recommend you be careful what you share in a meeting. Um, there's some things you should just share with your sponsor or maybe one or two confidants that you've come to trust. We don't come in these rooms trusting people because we've been so abused in the past and so it's a process and we're not perfect and people in the meetings you know they don't mean to hurt you but they do they're you know they're not god you know only god's perfect and um so just i would and you know well i'll, I'll cover more of that in the next one anyway so meetings are, are wonderful 
And also to know that there, in addition to face-to-face -face meetings, we now have telephone meetings and online meetings that are useful in breaking down the deadly isolation caused by distance, illness, and physical challenges. And that is so true. And um, I know one person here is involved in te telephone meetings, and I do some of them on Sunday night. And um, you can also do online meetings. And there's always, if you're, you live in a distant area where you, you don't have face-to-face -face meetings or a lot, these are alternatives, too. And just go to the OA website, and they'll direct you to them. Okay. So let's see. So that that's the meetings. I, I love meetings. I, I feel loved at meetings. Um, I just feel they... They love me no matter what. I know when I first, I, I'm in another program, and when I first came into that program 19 years ago, they, um, I was so angry, and I was so hurt. And I just thought I was tough, but it really turned out I was just really hurt. And um, I had this one guy said, well, Anna, we didn't know if you were going to hug us or spit in our face, you know. So that's how angry I was. And I'm here to say you can get through it, people. You can get through it. You just... Just keep doing one step at a time, and it's progress, not perfection. And it's coming to meetings even when you don't want to. When you, you feel like you want to stay home, then that's a safe place. But home can be a safe place, but we need our meetings. And, and I always, always, always feel better after a meeting, no matter how much I didn't want to go. I always feel better. Okay, next one. Let's see what's next. Anonymity, that's a good one. The protection of, anon of anonymity offers each of us the freedom to exp of expression and safeguards us from gossip. Okay, anonymity is referred to in the tradition 11 and 12 is a tool that guarantees we will place principles before personalities. That means I don't have to like you to love you. You know, I can love you and accept you. I may not like you somebody's behavior but that doesn't matter because we're all in this together we all need help and that's the other thing I never wanted help I didn't want anybody to help me thank you and I wanted to do everything on my own and now that's the biggest gift now that oh I can ask for help I don't have to know everything anyway I'm trying not to get off topic here but here I'll, I'm just kind of letting God put in my mind what somebody might need to hear though Okay, the protection anonymity offers us freedom of expression and safeguards us from gossip. And that's the ideal, everybody. But we are human. We don't come in these places healthy. And so I, I do caution you to be careful what you share in meetings. Um, and it's just, and you know, if you don't care that everybody knows, and that's a sign. But if you have, if God kind of says, well, you know, maybe that's something you should share just with your sponsor, then kind of listen to that. Because people do gossip. I mean, it's human nature. We try not to, but we do. And um, I catch myself occasionally doing it at work, and I hear that little voice saying, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. And, you know, sometimes I do it anyway, but I guess, you know, I'm not perfect. A lot better than I used to be, though. I can tell you that. Okay, anonymity is sure that only we as individual OA members have the right to make our membership known within our community. 
And that's true. I, I can't go tell somebody that you're an OA. It's none of it, it, not my place. It's your place. And, you know, I don't care if people know I'm in OA, but I know I talked to one of my sponsees, and that's, that, that she told me that's what made it safe for her to come in here, that she knew nobody would go out there and tell that she was in OA. And a lot of us, you know, come in ashamed. I mean, when I heard compulsive overeater, I thought repulsive overeater because that's how I felt about myself. That's what I heard in my first meetings. Um, of course, we know about anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public com- media communications means that we never allow our faces or last names to be used once we identify ourselves as OA members. This protects both the individual and fellowship. I don't know if you heard that there's an article in the B a day or two ago that was really wonderful that was from people around this area so if you haven't re- read it just you know see if you can find it it's online but we do need to um, practice anonymity at that level within the fellowship anonymity means whatever we share with another OA member will be held in respect and confidence and that is so important and we don't come in here as trustworthy people we I wasn't trustworthy out there. I mean, just I just look at my history around food. I still have a hard time being honest around my food. I, you know, I don't want to tell the truth. You know, I, I want to lie, and I want to be vague about it. Oh, I overate a little bit today, you know. But I know that my recovery comes from being honest. And, you know, find people that you, you don't want to just share everything with everybody. I, I really want to make that point I think I have by now but you just just, you know get few people that you can talk to maybe have a book study or something together that you you have some that you can people you can be really honest but you know I I have somebody at my church that just tells anybody anything and it's just like you know I just want to grip my teeth and tell her you know that that's private stuff you don't need to do that but she doesn't get it it's just so sad Okay, what we hear at meetings should remain here. And that means you, you don't tell people outside of meetings what you heard at meetings. Um, maybe in a general way you can if you don't use any names and stuff. But just be real conscious. You don't want to use names. You don't want to use identifiers. Like, you know, I recently had, had somebody come to the meeting has all these same history as I do. And so I know if I mention this one thing that people are going to know she's she's the one, you know, that she has the same issue because she talked about somebody in the meeting had the same issue. So it was kind of interesting. Okay, however, we understand that we must not allow anonymity to limit our effectiveness within the fellowship. It is not a break of anonymity to use our full names within our group or OA services. How much time did I have? Okay, thanks. Anyway, I'm going to go on to the next one. It just, um, and also other, the anonymity makes us all equal. Okay, that's the service one. And then the meetings, no, okay, the service. Oh, that's the, that was the anonymity one. Service. Service is what saves our butt in these meetings. They are um, carrying the message to the compulsive overeaters who still suffers is the basic purpose of our fellowship. Therefore, it is fundamental 
form of service. Any service, no matter what service, if you sponsor people, if you set up chairs, if you, um, I don't know, do we do coffee? It sounds from that play last night, we do coffee, but <laughs> but I don't think we do. But putting away chairs, putting out literature, talking to newcomers, doing whatever needs to be done for a group. And once you get some time at regent level, intergroup level, and then regent level. And members who meet the abstinent require can get, give at a higher level. There are many ways to give back what we have so generously been given. That's the important thing to me. And I see people here that I know that do a lot of service. And I, I actually am at the intergroup level. I'm treasurer now at the intergroup level. So, And I was chair a couple, maybe three, four years ago. That was an experience, and that was all my higher power. <laughs> it wasn't me. I love giving back, and this program gave me the opportunity to learn what my life's goal is, and that is to serve. And I'm going to be almost fully retired at the end. Of, I've been working part-time, but at the end of August, I'm going to be retired, and I have things I'm going to volunteer for, things I want to do. And it's because of this program I learned how valuable it is. You know, when you're doing for somebody else, you're not thinking about yourself. So if you're, you're having problems isolating, call somebody. You know, reach out to somebody in a meeting. And uh, we are encouraged to do what we can. A life of sane and happy usefulness is what we are promised as a result of working the steps. Service helps to fulfill that promise. As OA's responsibility pledge states, always to extend the hand and heart of OA to all who share my compulsion. For this, I am responsible. To give back what I've been given so freely, that is my goal. And um, I love you guys, and I hope you have a wonderful conference. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Our third speaker is Phoebe from Sacramento. I'm going to try this. <laughs> Hi, I'm Phoebe, and I'm a compulsive overreader. And I really wanted to hear you say my name, so thank you for doing that. Um, I thank you so much, Eileen, and Anna, I really appreciated hearing what you had to say today, and um, and on the note of service, I am so grateful to have been asked to speak today. I this program has definitely given me a life beyond my wildest dreams, and um, and it is uh, it really means so much to me to have an opportunity to give back. And I don't really know if I'm going to say anything that gives back to you. <laughs> I hope I do. Um, but I'm up here and I'm standing up here and that means you didn't have to do it so you know I did that much for you today at least um, so the three tools that I'm, I've been asked to talk about are writing, literature and the telephone and, um, and I'm, I'm going to try to do that <laughs> I want to say about that that for me the tool like the 12 steps, there, there is the plan. That's the blueprint. That's the path. That's the plan. And the tools are how I build to that blueprint. 
um, and they all work together for me. Some of them are, it's really hard for me to tease them apart. And these three in particular that I have to talk about, telephone writing and literature, are really integrated for me with service, sponsorship, meetings, anonymity, <laughs> food plan, and action plan. I mean, they all work together for me. Um, uh, I, liked, I liked the way you read. I, I mean, here it is, right? These guys figured out what it is we're supposed to say about this, so I'm going to read it to you, too. Um, telephone. Member-to-member -member contact helps us to share on a one-to-one -one basis and avoid the isolation that is so common among us. Okay, here's, here's the reality. Here's the thing I did not know when I was in my, the worst of my disease. I did not know that I'm not here to do it alone, that that's not the point. I really, and I, because I was not up to doing it alone. I could not do it alone. I could not figure out how to make my life look like your life looked. I could not figure out how to have the kind of relationships that look like a good relationship. I could not figure out how to eat in a way that made my body look like the bodies that I thought I was supposed to have. I could not do that. But I thought I, I was supposed to be able to do that. And one of the really powerful things I've heard said in, um, in these rooms is that the, the first word in the first step is actually the most important word in the first step. It is, we admitted we were powerless over compulsive overeating and that our lives had become unmanageable. It, meetings used to be my main tool. I came into the program, well, I guess I should qualify a little bit, um, I first came into the, to the rooms in 93, I think. It was 93 or 94. And, um, and I was, uh, that what brought me in was I, 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 first of all, I'd been struggling with food all of my life. Um, I was the fattest kid in third grade. I was, um, from that point on, always trying to figure out how not to be the fattest kid again. Um, and having a very, and incredibly sensitive to any comment ever that suggested that I was overweight. My memory of my childhood is that I was the biggest kid always. And when I look back at the pictures, I think, what a waste of my brain that was. Like, how much agony did I cause myself looking at those pictures and thinking that I was the fattest kid? And what was it that I was so afraid of? That's a side note. Anyway, the... Um, so I came, I came to OA in 93 um, after what really scared me was that I had decided I was not going to eat any macaroni and cheese anymore. And I had this really intense craving one day for macaroni and cheese, but I'd already promised that I was not going to eat macaroni and cheese anymore because I knew that this was a problem food for me because I didn't, I didn't have a serving of macaroni and cheese. I had a box of macaroni and cheese. That was the serving size for me. And I knew that that was not adding up to where I wanted to go. So I, I made this commitment. I was, not, I was not going to have any macaroni and cheese. I literally sat on my hands. I remember sitting on my hands. And the next thing I remember is sitting in front of an empty, bot, an empty pot of macaroni and cheese. And I literally blacked out to eat it. And that scared me. <laughs> that really scared me. So that was when I came into OA for the first time. And um, I stayed for about five years. I, um, 
I got a lot of emotional and spiritual recovery. And it really wasn't until I started exercising that I started to get physical recovery. And I was younger then, and I figured, oh, well, see, now I've got it figured out. I need to have a relationship with God, and I need to exercise and problem solved. And I left for a long time. And, and during the time that I was gone, I discovered that is not all that I needed. <laughs> um, and, in fact, I had two, two kids, and, um, and what brought me back in 2008 was not only was I very quickly headed up to um, my top weight while I had been pregnant with my second daughter now that she was over a year old again, which was 240 pounds, I, um, I also was hating my children for not napping because it meant I wasn't going to get my eating time. And that was not a way I wanted to live. <laughs> and I knew where to come. And thank God I knew where to come. So I came back to OA in 2008. And since then, it's been a whole program for me. It's been emotional, spiritual, and physical, and, um, and social. And that's the spiritual aspect of it to a great degree for me is recognizing how important my awareness of being in this with you, being in this together, your being in it with me, that we're here, we're living this life together. We're, our lives pa- cross paths and we have this moment in time every time that they meet to be a part of each other's lives. That's not incidental. That's what it's about. And so when I first came back and I had these two small kids, they were really young, so I was a year and a half and three years old, all I could do was meetings. That's all I had really time to do. I wasn't doing much else. But I was going to five meetings a week, and that was a lot. And, um, and then I got a sponsor, and I started working with a sponsor, and that was a lot. And... And slowly the tools started coming online. And about a, two years in, I, I had this one sponsor who used to tell me that I needed to make three calls a day and I needed to get in touch with someone. This is the telephone tool, right? Um, but you see how it's tied to sponsorship. Um, so one day, I, I started calling around. I made my three calls. Nobody picked up the phone. I called her and I said, well, nobody's picking up the phone and nobody ever calls me back. And she said, well, you just keep calling till you get somebody. And this is when I figured out how much we all hate the tool of telephone. (laughs) Because (laughs) I literally called 18 people. 18. 18 people who I knew were generally home at the time that I was calling who did not answer and did not return the call. Now, maybe that's because it's me calling. But... I think it says something about us. I think it says something about what we're like. I think it says something about how hard it is to be in relationship and how much food has been my escape from it. And I think I hear other people talk about it, too. Um, So recently, I went back to work full time. And I had to change my meeting schedule. And now I'm only going to two meetings a week. And that's a big changed for me, and I was really scared about it. I was really scared about it, because I didn't know how my program was going to work without all of my meetings. Um, And the telephone has been huge, just amazing. And I know that there are people who feel like it's cheating to text. 
um, or it's cheating to email because it's not the same connection. It's definitely not the same connection as being in a room with you all. I was so excited to come to the convention this weekend. I can't tell you just to be in the room with all of you. But, um, but you know, a text I can do while I'm sitting at my desk at work. I can tell the truth about what's going on with me via text while I'm sitting at my desk at work. I cannot call anybody. I, live, I work in a cubicle, Warren. I cannot tell the truth on the telephone in my voice, but I can tell it via a text. And telling the truth to somebody else and knowing that my truth and where I'm at and who I am and how it is right now is really okay as part of how I find my place in life and how I discover that I don't need food to be here. I do need food to be here, actually. (laughs) That's what makes our disease so hard, right? I don't get to not eat, but I don't have to eat to deal with life. I can eat to live rather than eating to deal. Um, and then writing. See, my I have one of those phones now that is like from Star Trek. You know, it. I use it for email. I use it for texting. I use it for everything. So I do a lot of, um, in terms of writing, I, I, that my phone is like my, my linchpin to program right now, and, um, and I'm really grateful to live in an age where I have it so handy all of the time. So I, I, today, my writing, the way that I use writing is that I do my gratitude lists, um, as a text to a program friend. I do my action plans as a text to a program friend. I do my food plan as a text to my program friends. I also have a journal that I write in at night where I do um, some tenth step work and where I just debrief from the day. I, I find, for me, writing, the power of writing is that um, my head spins like this and it can just get so crazy up here that I, I really don't know what I'm thinking. And I'm really not making decisions. And when I get out a pen and a paper and I start writing some of that stuff out, and I, it's like a steam valve. You know, It just takes the energy out of the system to put it on paper. And then I can see what it is. How crazy am I? <laughs> and sometimes I'm kind of, you know, it's nutty. It's it nutty up here. Um, but when I can see it, then two things happen. One, I can be honest with my sponsor about it. I can be honest with myself about it. I can give it to my higher power. I can release it. And, uh, and that's, that's an incredible gift because the other thing that, um, that food was for me was a way to shut the brain down. And uh, I don't want to shut the brain down anymore because while it still gets unmanageable up here, now I have these tools for managing it. And when I manage it, then this amazing thing happens, which is that not only do I see the craziness, I see the growth. I see the growth. I see the ways that my higher power is talking to me. I see things that would be lost in all of the shuffle up here, that would just be one more of the little voices being, you know, over-talked by another voice. Um, and when I write them down, I get to see them, and I get, it's just like a meeting. I get to take what I like and leave the rest. Um, 
So that's, that's the power of writing for me. And then literature, gosh, I have to say, um, I'm, I'm glad that it costs money to get this tape, <laughs> because then maybe nobody from my home group, since nobody is here, will hear me pitch what I pitched on Thursday about literature, <laughs> which is that in my home group, we read the uh, OA 12 and 12 and the AA 12 and 12 um, uh, alternately. So we read a step and a step and a tradition and a tradition. And uh, this week we read the seventh step in the AA 12 and 12. And um, and what I said was, you know, I I have a book from childhood that I really love that I can hardly wait to read to my daughters that I probably read ten times. But I, I've got whole passages of that book memorized. And it has never been an experience of reading that book that um, I was surprised by what happens next. You know, like I know what happens next. That's why I like reading it. That's why I look forward to reading it to my daughters. But those books, I've read the AA 12 and 12 and the OA 12 and 12 and the big book way more than 10 times, like going on 100 maybe, each of them, just in meetings and working with my sponsor and working with sponsees. But I read that seventh step this Thursday, and I really feel like I had never read it before. It was so incredibly powerful and speaking so directly to where I am. And one of the things I've heard said in, in, my, in that home group is that the literature is like an incredible changing book, you know, like all of it, the big book, the 12 and 12, either one of the 12 and 12s, that they, there's something so amazing about picking up those books and finding in them whatever it is I needed to hear today. It's just incredible what they will yield up to me if I open them willing to find something. If I go to those books, any one of those three books especially, although I really love a lot of our literature, and sometimes I feel like our literature gets a bad rap. So one of the things I want to say, I do want to plug, is the Brown book. I don't know if it's still called the Brown book, but the Overeaters Anonymous book, which has a lot of our stories in it. The AA's stories in the big book, some of those have literally changed my life. Those are transformative. Some of those stories have been transformative for me to read. But, the, but when I need to remember I'm not alone with this disease, our brown book is really, it's a good book. It's a good book. Um, but the, the I, don't, I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, I was talking about literature. <laughs> um, and I know I'm, I'm coming close to the end of my time. I, 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 oh, I, you know, this isn't what I was going to say, but one thing I do, wanted to make sure that I said is there is another form of literature out there that um, I don't know why it doesn't get talked about as much. It's, it's another one of them that is just, it's so powerful for me, totally saving my life, and that is the free podcasts of from OA. Um, and actually from other 12-step programs too, if you're the kind of person who can do that translation in your head, the other ones too are really powerful. But we've got some fantastic ones online. They're free. It is like being at a meeting. It's, it can be so powerful to hear what other people's experience is. And they're meaty. You know, they're like a half an hour or 40 minutes and they're just really the whole story. And um, I highly recommend those as a form of our literature. 
Um, and because the power of recovery that I've heard from in some of those podcasts have been just incredible um, and have very much influenced my sense of what is possible for me. Um, and so I, I, I um, you know, this I said, and, and I don't say it glibly, I know it sounds glib, um, because it's, you know, it's not exactly a slogan, but it's definitely from our literature that um, I today have a life beyond my wildest dreams. But I just want to tell you a little bit of what, what that means in the, my last minute or two. It, what it means for me today is that um, this is a small glimpse into this. I'm hoping it conveys all that it means to me. But I used to be the kind of person who got into an elevator and did not want you to look at me, did not want you to talk to me, did not want to be seen. Today, I get into the elevator and I have turned into the kind of person who used to drive me crazy. (laughs) Because today I get into an elevator and I really, from my heart, I'm like, hey, wow, we're in this box together. How did that happen? So what's going on for you? You know, like, I don't know who, how do I don't, I know how I became that person. I know it wasn't my doing. I know it was the work that I've done in this program. I know it's about working the 12 steps, and I know it's about being willing to need you and and to need the people I'm in the elevator with and being willing to be in that relationship, to be in connection. And that, that is what the freedom, I mean, I like the freedom from the food, I like the freedom from the food, but I like the freedom from the fear of you <laughs> the most. And that that has been a gift of this program is just uh, the depths of my gratitude cannot be expressed. Um, so I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to tell you my story. And um, I'm really glad that we have some time for you guys to tell yours. I hope you'll come up, but I think as Marty is going to tell you, you too have to sign the waiver. <laughs> the meeting is now open for three minute pitches. Please sign the release form here at the podium prior to speaking. We ask that you limit your share to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today, which is the tools. And this session will end at Good morning. My name's Michael. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, qualified just a little bit. I've been in a program about uh, a little over five months now. Uh, lost 65 pounds in that five months. And uh, this is a great meeting. 
for me, one of the key ingredients to maintaining the weight loss and maintaining the abstinence is uh, working all nine tools every single day. I got, I got really fortunate when I came in. I got a really good sponsor right off the bat. Uh, worked me through my uh, 12 steps in like 22 days, which I needed because if it took me six months to do the 12 steps, I, I wouldn't be here right now. Um, literature and phone are probably my two favorite ones. I like to read every day whether it's Big Book, 12 and 12, Road Less Traveled, just for today, <laughs> it doesn't matter, I like it all. I haven't met any uh, OA-approved literature that I didn't like. Um, the phone calls have literally saved me. I mean, when I came into this, I thought I had to do it alone too. And I'm pretty strong-willed, which is why I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting anywhere with my weight loss, because everything else... And, you know, just kind of made a decision and it happened. Um, but I actually got to a point where I actually had to make a phone call after midnight to somebody. A smell was in my house, barbecue chicken, and uh, I was going crazy. And fortunately for me, somebody picked up the phone, understood exactly what I was going through, and talked me away from the edge. And uh, that wasn't the only phone call I had to make. The next one was during regular daytime, so I didn't feel so bad. But to this day, I will pick up the phone and <coughs> at any t at hour or time of the day because I know how important that can be. Um, writing is one of the ones I don't like doing, but I have to admit the effectiveness of it. it it's really an incredible tool. Of course, the food plan, you've got to follow it daily. Plan of action for the day, oh my gosh, that, that just helps me get things done. Not just program, but other things that I'm doing in my life. Um, meetings, I was so isolated when I came into this, so I, I maybe went out once or twice a month, and uh, that was to get food. So meetings and phone calls were definitely something that I look forward to doing, especially face-to-face -face meetings. I've got a lot more to say, but my time's up. So somebody else gets to come up here and share your strength and experience with us. Thank you. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Mike. I am still learning how to work with the tools. I've been in here for about a year and a half. I'm slow. But I'll tell you what my most effective tools are for me. I don't use the telephone because I can't hear on the phone. And if I use the relay service that they offer, some other people are uncomfortable with that because there's third parties involved. So I use email. And I'm fortunate to have a sponsor and other members of our group that uh, 
we'll work with that too. So that, that helps me a lot. Uh, my food plan, I had one, but I haven't followed it. So I'm hoping when I get out of this, this weekend, is the determination to come up with what should be my food plan that fits me. And uh, so that's what I'm going to be working on this next week. Thank you. I'm Michelle, compulsive overeater. I'm Michelle. So I wanted to speak, but I wasn't sure because of these um, stage tables that I can remember um, my high school graduation. They, that's what they use um, when you walk up them and everything. And when I graduated high school, I was just over 400 pounds. And so my fear was that I would like step on them, they would go down, and there would be everybody there. Um, so people tell me nowadays that some of my fears are unrealistic, and so I will stand on this. <laughs> um, but then the elevator made me also think, when I used to get an elevator, I'd look what the maximum weight was, be like, okay, that person's probably that much, that person, okay, and I'm this much, we might be okay, we won't fall down. go down. Um, but then on service, or tool service, I would say has kept me in the program because when I came in, I didn't really talk to anybody in program, outside of program. Um, I just didn't, and my sponsor said literature, the service position on Saturday morning was up, and so she said, take the literature position. So then it got me there for six months every Saturday morning because I sure wasn't going to just drop the ball and not bring it. So that got me there. And then um, being part of the convention committee this year is just amazes me that I'm even doing it because now I have to stand at a door and actually like look at people all <laughs> day long, um, which just amazes me. And I'm so grateful for this program that I do that now. It may not be comfortable, and it sure as hell is not comfortable, but I can do it. Um, and so I, I'm just very grateful, and then also to qualify, I'm down 165 pounds. I've released 165. Um, and so, thank you. The, um, the program's awesome. The tools are great. Um, so thank you. Thank you for everyone being here. Hey, family, good morning. Oh, I'm sorry. My name is Marty. I'll be quick. I just want to say what a beautiful workshop. Oh, my gosh. I love the part about the tools helping me fortify my 12-step blueprint for life. I love that. And um, I, too, um, I just want to say that this program saved my life. And um, I've, I've kept coming back for seven years. And... I have not worked this program perfectly. It's progress, not perfection. And um, 
for me, when I, I just want to just say about writing, I, I, it's a discipline I have to force myself to do. I know that I don't like to do it, but when I do it, something miraculous just happens. Like, you know, the obsession lifts or my pain lifts or something happens that's, that's miraculous. I just have to take the step of faith and act as if and just do the writing. And sometimes that writing is just writing out a quick gratitude list. I wish that gratitude was another tool because for me, it has saved my black and white thinking that drives the obsession and the disease. Um, And so uh, I have to really focus on gratitude. And once I start writing on the gratitude, my list grows and gets long real fast. Learning to think on what's good and not what's dark and um, black or, or just, you know, not the opposite. And learning to renew my mind that, um, that keeps me out of that obsessive track thinking and into just just a new way of thinking, which is a new way of living for me. And um, by the grace of God, little by little, I'm, I'm getting physical recovery. So with that, I'll pass, and um, thank you for letting me share. I'm Meg, a grateful, compulsive overeater, very excited to be here. Can you tell? <laughs> um, I, um, I'm also retired, which is giving me time to do the things that I thought I never had time to do. I'm making time to do the things. And a couple thoughts came into my mind as everybody's been sharing. The telephone, of course, is one of the things I absolutely hate to do because when it rings it's always somebody that wants money usually at dinner time and now when it rings I'm hoping it's somebody from program that I get to talk to it's just you know how my mind has changed over that but I use the telephone I'm in the car a lot I'm retired but it doesn't mean I'm sitting home alone you know people that retire know you get busier than your your wildest dreams so I'm often in the car and when the phone rings I can say yep I got hands free you're okay let's go and so that's a place that I can make calls and I can receive calls which is you know this world we live in like with the texting and all these other wonderful ways of emailing we can stay connected so I'm really grateful for that um I do my writing in the morning, and I wanted to say this before I forgot because you reminded me. It's really uh, the four G's. Everybody know the four G's? That is, you know, I write down what's good, what my glitches are, my gratitudes, and my goals. And I do that in the morning when I write my food for my sponsor. I do also put uh, a little note about those four G's, and I make a comment, and I list what went good for the day, what my glitches were for the day, what my gratitude is for the day, and what my goals are for the day. And my goodness, that helps me. I am kind of scatterbrained. And I have it written out. It comes out of my computer. It's out there. I can look at it. I can go back. And I actually even too also re- try to remember to write, oh, great, write down the people I'm supposed to phone the day that day. Now, that's a tough one for me. But when I put your lovely name on the paper... And I have it, and I can go back and look. I can remember, oops, I didn't get that done. Or, yeah, I actually remembered. And who is it that I needed to call today? Because my mind goes, zoom. I can go back, and it's right there. So I just want to thank you. I believe this program truly has um, given me a life and a life yet to come. And I'm just so grateful for all of us that are here today. Thank you.
That is all the time we have for sharing. It is now time to close this session. Before we close, I want to remind you that the hotel is offering a cash-only lunch option in the atrium from 1130 to 1230 for your convenience. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session.